Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Before we get started, I have some really cool news. I'd like to thank all of my guests and my listeners as we just cracked the top 11. Actually, we're number 11 on the iTunes charts for the one of the most trending automotive podcasts. So that's really exciting news. And I just wanted to put out a quick thank you to all of our listeners. So for today, we have a very special guest, Marvin Waters, who's the co-founder and president of the Sand Hill Motoring Concord out there in North Carolina. So Marvin, thank you for joining us today. Greg, it's my pleasure to be here, and congratulations on uh, your accolades with uh, your podcast, trending ahead of uh, some pretty big names, I see. Yeah, that was crazy, seeing Chris Harris at number 12, which is nuts. I don't understand the data, but I'll take the, uh, I'll take the data points when I can, so I appreciate your time today. I was looking at your homepage and about you and your team, and you are heavily involved in the automotive world, so what can you tell me about it? Can you give me a brief overview of your passion for cars? Oh, I'd love to, and thanks for having me on this morning. I really appreciate uh, your time. You know, our, our Sand Hills Motoring Festival, and you hit it right on the head, we've got a wonderful, wonderful team, uh, all volunteers that put on this event in um, the village of Pinehurst. Pinehurst is, is mostly known for the U.S. Open golf tournaments that they've held over the last uh, 20 or 25 years. That event's been here three times, and it's headed back in 2024. But in 2013, a group led by Jay Howard started out of Charlotte, started the Pinehurst Concours d'Elegance, and they quickly established that event as one of the best uh, and, and well-run Concours events in the country. They had a five-year uh, run, and when uh, they decided that they were not going to continue that event, we had a group of guys that had been working on events uh, behind the scenes on the Porsche Club side, Mercedes Club side, and uh, we got together and we thought uh, a need for a concours uh, and, a, and an automotive-themed weekend has really been identified by this group out of, out of Charlotte. So we took it upon ourselves to uh, get together and um, – craft what really is a three-day motoring festival, just like the, the name uh, says, it's the sandhillsmotoringfestival.com if you want to have a look at it online. And we've got a group that we do a, an informal car show on Friday night with a North Carolina pig picking. We do a wonderful road rally on Saturday morning. We do a, a hangar party on Saturday night at the main hangar here in Moore County. And then on Sunday morning, we do the Concours in the Village, which uh, consists this year of 16 classes of eight cars. Um, the Village of Pinehurst closes the streets of the Village uh, for us to hold our event. We're the only group that they close the streets for the entire year, and they've never never done that before. We were lucky last year when we went in front of the local authorities, and they agreed that um, we had a good idea and had a good uh, an event, and they've worked with us greatly uh, or nicely, and uh, 
we're happy to have that piece in the village. And this year we're introducing the Car Club Showcase, which is another 80 cars that will be on display on uh, in the village as well. And this is really just to make sure that everybody that wants to be involved on that Sunday and have a car here uh, gets that opportunity. Those are mostly car clubs that we've opened up uh, a certain number of spots for, and then we've probably got another 35 to 40 cars that will be on special display, non-judged, non-car club-themed cars. So, Greg, this year our, our main sponsor, and actually the sponsor that's presenting uh, the Concours in the Village, is Foreign Cars Italia from Greensboro. Uh, they're wonderful sponsors, wonderful folks to work with. Steve Suttler uh, manages their far, um, Ferrari Challenge race team, and they've agreed to bring over three Challenge race cars, the um, uh, race car hauler, as well as three or four Ferrari road cars. And there's a, a couple of exciting new Ferrari road cars coming out between now and May, and we're hoping to get one, uh, maybe even one of the first ones uh, in the country. But they, they support all three days of the event. We'll have the hauler and the race cars at the hangar party on Saturday night. We'll have the hauler, the street cars, and the race cars in the village for the Concours on uh, on Sunday as well. Great, great partners and great folks to work with. Yeah, that's really awesome. And we'll have some folks from your Concours as guests in the future. And uh, so be sure to take a listen to those when they pop up. Now, if you could, could you tell us a little bit about your history with automobiles and your passion? And I think you said you're dad started with Corvettes, but then somehow you became involved in Porsches. Yeah, I tell you, it, it all goes back to uh, to my dad with anything automotive, and he's the, the primary and sole reason that um, I developed the, the love of the automobile. He uh, He's 89 years old, and he still drives his 1974 Corvette that he bought new in, in 1973. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're uh, we've got a special display of uh, Corvettes this year at the Motoring Festival. One each of the C1 through C8, and his is going to be the C3 that'll be on display. And it's it's a neat car. He he drove it um, from the day he bought it in '74 to the day he uh, retired in 1998. And my sister and I restored it for him as uh, a retirement gift. And um, it's 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 funny. I, I like to to joke that. It's got nearly 300,000 miles on it, but it's absolutely perfect. We've researched everything with all the stickers and everything that the Corvette folks uh, love are in place. But it's got the original Firestone 500s on it because when he bought it, <laughs> he, he immediately bought a set of wider aluminum uh, wheels and put those on it. So uh, trust me, we don't drive. Those Firestone 500s were problematic from the beginning in, in the mid-'70s. We don't drive too far on those uh, today. You know, it's kind of a maligned uh, Corvette. I, I really think that uh, they're finally getting their, their day in the sun, but none of that really matters to us. It's the car my dad uh, bought and, and drove and still has, and um, we love showing it. We've shown it at AAC events, and he, he, he just loves it. So, That's um, awesome. Yeah, and it, it's, uh, you know, I think probably the day and the moment that I really realized that, you know, the automobile was special was uh, the day he took me for a ride on a, on a back uh georgia road on a trip we were on and we saw close to 145 miles an hour and when we were done you know i'm wide-eyed and couldn't believe what just happened he looks at me and he says don't tell your mother <laughs> right now did you did you hold that promise did you not tell your mother well i did um uh, because uh, you know there there would have been repercussions on both sides uh if I had um, told her anything. So, yeah, I absolutely never told her that until much later. But then we, we talked about it quite a bit after after the cat was out of the bag. <laughs> right, yeah. Where did this exposure to classic Corvettes go in your uh, passion for cars? You know, we um, 
we always enjoyed uh, driving that car and showing that car. And I was fortunate in the uh, early 90s to move uh, with work down to Jupiter, Florida. And there's really no better car culture in the United States than, than South Florida. And uh, I, I quickly became enamored with um, the Ferrari at the Cavalino Classic and um, joined the Porsche Club and spent time at Moroso Motorsports Park, which is now Palm Beach International Raceway, and did my first track event. And, you know, that was another light that went on um, that was just unbelievable. The fact that you could take a car that you drove to work and go to the racetrack and uh, spend the day uh, acting like or acting out your Walter Mitter Mitty fantasies and and drive your car around the racetrack for an entire day or an entire weekend. That was a whole nother level of an eye-opening experience. And so I, I got heavily involved in, in track events and um, through the Porsche Club and um, remain involved um, racing uh, Porsche 944 that we built in 1995. It did uh, four 24-hour races uh, at Moroso with the SCCA. Uh, we now can, I now campaign it in um, HSR, SVRA, and we'll do some Porsche Club uh, racing with it uh, as well. Now, what was your first Porsche? Was it a 944? It was, yeah. You know, I, I really I lo- I love the transaxle. Um, you know, I guess at that time I, I really couldn't afford a, a Porsche 911. It's what I wanted from as long, far back as I could remember. But I bought a 1989 uh, 944, the 2.7 liter, white with blue, that, um, gosh, I just loved. I, I, I drove it uh, as my only car. I traveled in it. Um, I, I tracked it. Um, it was just a, a very, very special car. And it still lives on today as a Porsche club racing uh, race car with the motor that I built back in the uh, in the late 90s. And I think that was in 1994. Right, right. Okay. Now, what cool cars or collector cars are in your garage? Well, you know, it's it's an eclectic um, collection. Uh, <laughs> a couple of, of 944s. Uh, we showed uh, uh, my 944 Turbo at Works Reunion a few years ago, and it was a super original 86, original paint, um, low-mileage car that we did well with there. I've still got the, the 944 um, race car, and I'm a big fan of the Boxster uh, as well. And I've got a, a Boxster uh, track car and a Old, uh, older 912, but there have been a handful of, uh, of cars that have come and gone over the last five, six years. You know, the, the one that, um, that I really enjoyed was a 1991 Carrera II, white on tan, that was mm. just a fantastic automobile. And, you know, it, I've, I've always enjoyed the, the 964, and um, that, was, that was really, really a special car. So much or so much further evolved than the long hood cars, the SC cars, the Carrera cars, and you know Porsches. They get better every time uh, they introduce a new model, and right. that one just really I, 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 I miss that one. That, that's a fact. Um, and a, a 75 911 Carrera that I enjoyed that we restored and, and did track days with that. It, it was restored um, to emulate a 75 IROC car. My favorite is probably the E55 that I drive uh, each and every day. It's just, it's the perfect cars. It's comfortable. It's fast. It allows me to uh, drive, um, you know, back and forth from uh, Pinehurst, North Carolina, down to Jupiter, where I do work with uh, the Wilson Collection. So that, that's that's the one I drive every day. Yeah, so if I gave you $100,000, what collector car would you buy? Oh, gosh, that's, that's so easy. Um, you know, and I, I think about this more than I probably should. I would buy um, a 964 RS. 
that they didn't import to the, uh, this country. I've got parts on the shelf. I've got gold BBS uh, race wheels ready to go on it. <laughs> um, I, I am I am re- I'm ready to answer that question. I'm ready to buy that car. I've already got the bits and pieces that are really going to make it uh, make it mine when I get it. Wow, you didn't hesitate at all. <laughs> no, so. I, listen, I'm, I'm ready for that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, now, are, are there any recent trends in the collector car marketplace you've seen? Well, I've got to tell you, Greg, the best thing about trends is their trends. You know, n- nothing uh, nothing stays the same, and the only thing consistent about car collecting and, and trading in cars is it, it changes day-to-day, month-to-month, and, and year-to-year, which to me makes it a lot of fun. You know, the, the 944 transaxle cars were really you know, d- depreciated for so long and, and really uh, kind of unloved and most didn't recognize them as real Porsches. And now they're, they're having their, their sun in the uh, day in the sun. And um, I'm a big fan of those cars. Thankfully, I've, I've owned a few and, and own a couple now that, um, you know, I didn't have to pay today's prices for and, and, I, and I enjoy them. The same with, uh, with the 912. It was certainly an unloved Porsche for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's having, having its day in the sun. So you, you, you never know, and it, it's it's really um, it might it might even be overused, but I don't think so. Um, you, you buy what you love, and let the market move around you. Um, I don't really buy and sell cars to um, for a living, for certainly not. Um, and I don't really buy a car thinking you know this is going to be one that doubles or triples in value. I really they're they're kind of like tools. You you buy a track car to go to the track. You buy an E55 to travel in. Um, you buy another car because you're going to do rallies. You buy cars to, to, to show at uh, Works Reunion and other Porsche events or any of the Concours events. So to me, they're, they're like tools. You, you pick your, you establish your budget. You find the car that fits the certain activity that you want to be involved in, and then you go buy the best one that you can afford. Right. And it's great if they go up in value, but I tell you, I think you would lose more often than not if you were simply buying them, hoping that they went up in value. Right, right. I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. Well, could you talk a little bit about the Wilson collection? Oh, gosh, I, I'd love to. I, I've been so fortunate to be involved uh, with Larry Wilson and his collection down in Jupiter, Florida. You know, Larry is uh, the guy that we all want to be. He has um, an 18 square foot warehouse. I think the collection right now is 85, six, seven cars. And Larry, Larry buys and builds and restores exactly, you know, what he likes. And every car that he buys, uh, he puts his, his touches on it. Uh, as an example, we sold a, a Ferrari Mondial on Bring a Trailer yesterday. And that's, that's where I come in with Larry. I, I handle uh, any marketing that we do and I handle any sales of cars that Larry wants to, to move out of the collection. We certainly uh, don't buy cars to make money. Most of the cars um, that we sell out of the collection are heavily modified, and that certainly isn't the way to, to make money in the, in the collector car business. Larry is a racer at heart. He does uh, show cars, but he rarely goes to the Concours to show the car. That's just not his thing. He'd rather be on the racetrack or he'd rather be restoring an old V12 Ferrari or, or building something that, that he wants. Okay, he, um, he's been primarily a Porsche guy. I think latest count is 41 911 variants in the collection. <laughs> I'm only 40 away from that. <laughs> yeah, 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 me, me too, so don't, don't feel bad. <laughs> but he, he, last year he bought a 1971 240Z, and it's really just a beautiful little 240Z that is all original. Uh, we did, we've in the process of putting it back together, it was taken apart and painted, but it won't be modified in any way. 
it'll be uh, just like it was sold new, probably better than when it was sold new in 71 uh, with new red paint, and that'll debut at the Motoring Festival here in uh, in May. The Wilson Collection in Florida, they, they restore cars. I don't know whether you're familiar with McPherson College in uh, McPherson, Kansas. We employ four McPherson graduates, seven artisans, really, uh, in, in total at the Wilson Collection, and we not only restore cars, but we build cars from the ground up, and one that we recreated and built from the ground up is the Porsche 804. I don't care who you are, you can't have a Porsche 804. Uh, they simply don't uh, don't exist. And the 804, most listeners are, are probably thinking I'm, I meant to say 904, is uh, <laughs> we're all familiar with the 904. The 804 was built in the early 60s. They were only three built uh, by the factory. It's the car that Dan Gurney won the 1962 French Grand Prix with. It's Porsche's only uh, Grand Prix victory uh, to date. So Larry decided he wanted one, and the only way that you can get one is to build one. And he built it from the ground up. It's what these guys do. They can absolutely build anything in the world, and this car is spectacular. Not built to fool anybody, simply built because Larry wanted an 804, and now he has one. That long-winded description is really just leading up to me saying that that car is going to be at the Motoring Festival this year. Uh, it'll be prominently featured Friday. We'll have it in the hangar party on Saturday night, and then we'll ha- have it, of course, on the show field on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, that's really amazing. And I thought, wait, 804? I've never heard of an 804, so I'm glad you clarified that. And that's uh, truly amazing that they only built three of them, and that was one of their only wins. That is really, really cool. Now, which car in his collection is your favorite? Well, gosh, that is not as easy to answer as the previous <laughs> question. We routinely, and, and Larry drives all of his cars. He's got Brabham Formula 2 cars that he still races. We took this Porsche 804 to a Cars and Coffee uh, in West Palm Beach down from Jupiter, and a couple of times I've driven his 1972 uh, 911 ST, and for me it just ticks all the boxes. It, it's fast, it's comfortable for an older 911, and it doesn't have the, the tail on the back, which is part of the reason I like the 964 RS, uh, but it does have essentially tur- a turbo body on it with the wide 911 9-inch spooks on the back. It's just just spectacular. So I tell you, if, if I had the 72 911 ST and a mid-90s uh, 964 RS, I wouldn't need anything else. Wow, that's amazing. That's really cool that you have it narrowed down to the exact two cars. Now the point is, it's just trying to get them. <laughs> so. Well, that's, that's you know, narrow, narrowing them down to what you'd like to have is the easy part. We all know that. Right, right. Yeah, wow. So tell me, do you have a particular car that got away from you in your pursuits of finding the the best ride? Greg, I do. And, you know, it it was uh, a car I mentioned uh, earlier, the 1975 911 Carrera. It was a U.S. Carrera, number 187 out of the 395 that they sent to the U.S. And I found it in um, the front yard of a home in Jupiter and uh, when I lived in, in South Florida. And as it turned out, it was the automobile that belonged to the son of the woman that owned the home. That was easy until you realize that he had moved to Alaska 10 years prior, and she rarely heard from him. Mm -hmm. So I decided I I wanted the car. So for the better part of eight months, we communicated with a letter that I would have imagined a bush pilot was dropping in a duffel bag into the wilderness in Alaska <laughs> or however he gets his mail. And finally, we struck a deal. And I knew 
that it was a rare car, but um, it was an unloved 911 at the time. Now, nowadays, there's no such thing as an unloved 911. So I bought it, and I restored it, and I tracked it, and just loved the car. And um, life gets in the way sometimes. The car appreciated in value. I had had my, my fun with it, and um, it was sold. It now lives in Stuttgart and went back to Germany. It paid for um, education for my daughter at Loyola University in uh, Chicago. So I would truly love to have it back. Every now and then I type the VIN number in just to see what I can learn. <laughs> if it ever presents itself, I would really, really like having that one back. But at the same time, it paid for education, so I only miss it so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, now, do you have a barn find story you can share? You know, I don't have a barn find story, but I do have a swamp find story. Oh, even better. We don't get those often. Yeah, uh, you, you probably don't. Last year, I was in my shop, and I got a phone call from a buddy of mine uh, down in Stewart, Florida. <clears throat> and he said, hey, I'm at a, a, a barbecue, and in the back of this guy's ranch are a couple of cars that are essentially in the swamp. They're in a low area that was wet. And one was a VW Westphalia van, and the other one, based on what he could see, he said it was a white 911 coupe without a sunroof. And I said, do me a favor, go find the owner and tell him that you have someone on the phone that will buy that car. Right. I didn't really right. know what it was. I didn't know how much was left, but I did know when you find a long hood, no matter where it is or what kind of shape it's in or what might be living in it, um, you do everything you can to, to buy it. So he found the owner, and we talked, and um, we struck a deal. And I went down, oh, gosh, I guess about eight months ago, and we truly dragged it with a tractor out of out of the swamp in, uh, in Stewart, Florida. And uh, it's a 1968-912 uh, California car. It's really in rough shape. But I tell you, some of the parts, a lot of the parts on the 912 are interchangeable with the 911, and some of them are just unobtainable. You can't uh, you can't find them. So I brought it back to North Carolina and had plans to restore it. And uh, with my activity with tracks and with the motoring festival and with uh, everything else, I just don't have time for it. So that car is uh, going to go overseas here in about two weeks. That's amazing that it was a swamp find. That is a first. I've never heard of that. So if you could, I don't know if you took any pictures while you're dragging it out or not. I'd love to see the pics and share them on the social media stuff when this posts that would be really cool yeah i've got pictures and video and uh it, it's really really a bad looking 912 but um I, I love them all that's why it was tough to answer your earlier question well i'd like to end my little podcast with a fun little game i called keep cash or crush or actually and crush so i know you've listened to a few of my podcasts in the past are you ready to play absolutely let's go all right so this one i i'm trying to make it hard on you and this one I'm hoping I got it where it's a little bit difficult. So I'm going to pick for you as your first car a 993 Porsche Turbo S with 21 miles on it, immaculate. I don't know why I picked 21 miles, but 21 miles on it, and it's immaculate. The second car, to harken back to your childhood, a 1969 L88 Corvette that is perfect. And then the third car... It's a 1956 356 Carrera, but it's kind of wrecked, and it has a VW Bug engine. <laughs> so those are the three cars, a 56 Carrera with the wrong engine, a 69 L88 Corvette that's pristine, and a 993 Turbo S with 21 miles. Which one would you keep, cash and crush? Uh, <clears throat> well, you, you, you'd have to... Um... The low mileage Turbo S would have to remain a low mileage uh, 
Turbo S, you wouldn't you wouldn't drive that. Although some some might argue that. Um, I don't wouldn't crush any of them, man. I tell you, any any <laughs> car that fits into that category is a keeper in in, in my mind. Um, the L88, you know, they they continue to go up in value. Um, the Carrera with the wrong motor makes a wonderful cars and coffee car. Uh, you might crush the motor and go find uh, the proper motor, but I wouldn't even crush the motor. And I'd, I'd, I'd keep I'd keep them all. I'd enjoy them. And at the end of the day, if they, if they went up in value, uh, you'd be a winner. But at the, at the same time, you'd have three wonderful cars that you could drive, show, and enjoy. So if you had to rank them one, two, and three, which one would be your first choice for your collection? Which one would be your second and then your third? My first choice would be the Carrera with the wrong motor. Okay. Second choice would be the uh, low-mileage uh, Turbo S. Uh, see, I thought you would go that way. Yeah. And the third choice would be the L88. Tough choices to make. You were very successful making it making it tough. I've got a soft spot for all. <laughs> I'd want to drive all three of them, and I just wouldn't be able to drive the Turbo S. So, you know, I would probably uh, consign that to my friend Ramsey Potts and let him sell it at the upcoming RM auction down at the uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the Sandhill Motoring Festival? Well, I tell you, if they'll go to the Sandhills uh, Motoring Festival website, sandhillsmotoringfestival.com it's our best tool it's got all the information they need i hope they'll uh, make plans to come join us on memorial day weekend as a reminder you can follow marvin on instagram and facebook at swift motoring and at sandhills motoring festival awesome well thanks so much for your time today marvin greg thanks for your time and good luck uh, with your podcast look forward to meeting you in person thanks for listening to the collector car podcast don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes and be sure to follow us on instagram and everywhere else at the collector car podcast we